0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation
1: of the Treasure Island baseball network.
0: We know you would like to sit next to him in the dugout or in his office, but this is your chance to chat with the manager of the Minnesota Twins. This is the Paul Molitor show, sponsored by Killigrew Rupier. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Now, here are the hosts of the Paul Molitor Show, Chris Atterberry and Jack Morris.
2: Well, good morning and welcome to Rogers Center. As we are uh, echoing in our own ears, Rogers Center here in beautiful Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada. And the roof is closed. And Jack Morris and I are uh, live here peering out over the ballpark. And I believe downstairs we've got uh, Paul Molitor. Paul, are you there? Hey, good morning. (laughs) You're you're there. I'm here. All right, we're battling some echoes up here and trying to figure things out.
3: You guys doing all right? It sounds like you got a little problems there. Too much dead air. Let's go.
2: (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, yesterday. Yesterday is a a leaping off point because we don't want to dwell too much on it, but that was – That was one of those where it looked like everything was going your way, right up until it wasn't.
3: Well, I I think your uh, idea of not talking about too much is pretty good. Um, You know, all uh, all kidding aside, it was uh, it was very tough. Um, I felt for the players. You know, the people that are are following our team know that we have been having a lot of trouble finding a way to come out on the right end of a score and. We had a nice day. We, we, we swung the bats well. We had a good approach. And uh, we had our best pitcher on the mound who threw extremely well. And we still found a way to, uh, to not win a game. I think they got some momentum going and uh, Carnacion's home run, kind of gave them a little bit of life. And then uh, it just came down where they put together some good at-bats and, and they got into our bullpen and pressed through a lot of good pitches, but they did a good job of extending at-bats. And uh, at the end of the day, they, they found a way with a lucky bounce to, to take one away from us. So it was a tough loss to endure.
1: Paul, uh, I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I noticed, that, you know, they're having some pretty good at-bats. You know, to score 15 runs in two games here, uh, come up on the short end is not always fun, but you've got to be a little bit encouraged about the fact that at least they're not uh, throwing in the towel and uh, they continue to go out there and try to uh, win a ball game.
3: Well, you know, Jack, that's that's what we're supposed to do, and that's what you hope guys would do, uh, fairly naturally, to go out there each day and clean the slate and come out and try to find a way to compete and hopefully win. Uh, we, you know, the first night here, uh, you know, we scored some runs and, and, and they just they were on fire with the bats. And uh, you know, yesterday, is one of those things where you know we did we did we did well. You know, the way we put pressure on Stroman and those type of things. But uh, they did. They did battle. You know, you get into position this time of the year, and you know you're coming off a nice postseason last year. To some degree, for these guys, they you know you know when it's late August, you know when it's heading into September, and you know when you got good crowds, and you still think you got a chance. And they found a way to get momentum, and, and we
1: just couldn't stop it. Paul, uh, talk a little bit about the mental game right now. You you can just sense that the Jays, uh, all the things you just mentioned, they they have it in their mindset that. They can come back at any time. I know you've played on teams that felt that way. And, sure. uh, you know, the Twins, on the other hand, are looking to have that kind of mindset. I think it's it's the reverse of that uh, when they play here in Toronto and they sense that there's a playoff run within them and, uh, you know, great crowds like you mentioned, uh, yet I think subconsciously they're probably wondering, all right, what, what, at what point are the Jays going to come back and, the, and uh, you know, tie the game or beat us?
3: Well, that's the the, the psychological uh, battle. Um, on what and what side are you on of that? You know, we're trying to build that in our players. Sometimes it takes some success. Sometimes it just takes the experience of going through it. Uh, mm-hmm. When you've done it before and you're part of a team <clears throat> where you have some of the same personnel, I, th- I think you can recapture that. You know, we we uh, we felt a small a small glimpse of that last year when we started to think that. We could find ways to win games, and this year it's it didn't start out that way. We got into a little bit better pattern, and now that it's kind of slid the other way, we're, we're fighting that mental part again, Jack, so um, it does work both ways, and you've been on teams that have been on both sides of it, as have I, and that's where you need leadership, and, and you step up, and you find a way to uh, go out there and try to find a way each and every day.
2: You know, Paul, a lot of that comes from from just having the success. When you win and you win consistently, then that breeds that type of uh, attitude that we're talking about. But can some of it also come from the mix of of people? Like, does it take a certain combination uh, of personalities in addition to the winning to to breed that uh, at its highest level?
3: I, you know, I I do think that's uh, there's some truth to that. Only in that every person you know, every year that you play you're going to have a lot of different personalities and a lot of different types of makeups some guys are quiet leaders some guys are just going to be out there and and mind their own business uh, they're going to be a team guy but they're not going to be overly vocal and then you have guys that step up and make statements and and that's where people that have been around that have that capability need to do that especially when your team's going through what we have and we have so many young players the way we do when you look at our offensive Position players and the youth that we have and our pitching staff, we've had to do a lot of changes, so we have some young people out there. But, you know, the, the thing for those guys is, that, is not only they have to listen to what these people have to offer, they just got to keep watching and learning. You know, you watch Irvin yesterday coming off a long losing streak. He went out there and, and, you know, he didn't give in. He made pitches. He wasn't afraid to pitch in. But he stayed in control. And, you know, you see some of the at-bats that our guys have been having, a little more experienced, Dozier, Ploof's coming on. Joe's that way pretty much all the time. You, you hope that these young people are paying attention.
2: Paul Molitor, it's the Paul Molitor Show. We are all here in Toronto. The roof is still closed, should be open by game time as the Twins try to pick up a win in the final game of this three-game series. We'll take a break, come back on the Paul Molitor Show, talk about some of the uh, new faces on this Twins pitching staff as well as today's matchup when we return on your home for Twins baseball. I
1: got out of town on a boat
2: you're listening to the treasure
1: island baseball network
2: welcome back to the paul molitor show live from the rogers center here in toronto chris atterbury jack morris upstairs paul molitor is downstairs and paul on to hop, uh, happier topics neat moment here the other night uh in alex wimmers making his major league debut it's always special to see a guy debut because it is simply just so hard to make it to the major leagues but in particular with what he's been through his young daughter was here uh, along with his wife pretty pretty cool moment and a long journey for alex
3: well as many uh times as we're fortunate enough to see people come up here and make the major leagues for their first time especially in cases where someone's had to persevere through a lot of different things um you know you you have to be cognizant that this this is special and in Alex's case, you know, he was a high draft pick, and, and he ran into some issues early in his career, uh, thought about retiring, he had some injuries, he had, he's had surgeries, and he worked his way back. And, uh, you know, he finally got an opportunity due, some, due to some circumstances here where he got a chance to come up here. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, with his wife and uh, I think two-month-old child, they, they, they were out here, and he went out there and had a, a nice clean inning and uh, um, it's good to see him uh, get a chance after all the, all that he's been through.
1: Yeah, it was, Paul, and I, I especially like the fact he got his first out, and uh, they saved that baseball, and then he got his first strikeout, they saved that baseball, and I was mentioning on the air, if Bill Madlock and Richie Hebner were on the team, they would have saved that first wild pitch, too, but they didn't do that. <laughs> uh, it, it is It is a special time. You know, we get caught up sometimes in – win losses and team record and what's going on and, and certainly you know it's a trying time for you and, and your team but uh, mm-hmm. to see a guy knowing all of us knowing uh, what it feels like to have that first time on the mound or first at bat uh, it's a special time
3: you know you just don't know how things are ever going to work out and uh you know you look at our bullpen now we we have a lot of people out out there that are relatively young in terms of experience in the major leagues obviously and uh you know they're getting a chance to pitch in games on in circumstances where they're hopefully they're learning and like we talked about earlier uh it's it's not easy but you hope they embrace the opportunity and find a way to uh, make an impression I encouraged the guys the other day I said you know have some fun you know we, we don't have a lot of stakes in in terms of pressure you know just kind of go out there and let it fly and And uh, uh, we'll see where where it takes these guys. But it's a it's a different mix. We've certainly changed our personnel quite a bit throughout the year. I know we've been through forty plus players on a twenty five man roster, so there's been a big turnover.
2: It's the Paul Molitor Show. We got the music queued up now here at Rogers Center. When we come back, we're going to go down memory lane and talk about some great times in this building for Paul and Jack. It's the Paul Molitor Show. We're back in a moment on your home for Twins baseball.
1: Welcome back to the Paul Molitor Show. We are here in Toronto at Rogers Center. Paul Molitor, Chris Atterbury, Jack Morris, uh, all on board. Paulie, i got to ask you, you come back to Toronto, and uh, you see a city that's constantly changing, growing, uh, more and more people in the downtown area on a daily basis, on a nightly basis. You come back to Skydome, now Rogers Center, and you see the place full again. It's got to bring back some fond memories of your Time up here, a world championship team in '93. Well, I'm sure it does for
3: you too, Jack. I mean, this the city is very vibrant, particularly in the summertime. You know, last night I got a chance to get out and take a take a nice long walk after the game and think about some things. But you you can't help but notice the growth, uh, the amount of people downtown. I think they had a soccer game down the road here. They had over 30,000 people. They have their state fair, if you will. It's called the CNE, ongoing right now, and. They had a big festival on the lakefront with bands playing. It, it's a very lively town, particularly along Lake Shore in the summer. But for you and for me, you know, it, it's been a long time since we've been here as players, but the memories are fond uh, having an opportunity to come up here after a long stint in Milwaukee and, and having a chance to win a world championship. I, I'm indebted to this organization up here for what they allowed me to be a part of. Um, still see a few familiar faces, some of the people who work in the clubhouses and security guards, and, of course, uh, you know Paul Beeston, uh, who was president when we were playing here. Uh, it's 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 pretty special, and uh, certainly rekindles some of those great moments that we were able to experience for both you and me, Jack, as member of the Blue Jays organization.
2: You know, guys, for both of you, it, it's a very different animal because. This truly is the team for an entire nation, and you can see that as people flood into Toronto specifically to catch up with literally Canada's team. Now there were the Expos back in the day, but as players, that had to be an interesting experience too—not just a city-to-city rivalry or a regional rivalry, but you're talking about representing, in, in truth, a, a whole nation.
3: Well, they are—they are a national team, so to speak. You know, throughout the provinces from. East to west, uh, they follow. They have great TV ratings across the country. Uh, I know that when I played for the Jays, you know, we'd go to, you know, Minnesota or Chicago or out to Seattle. And uh, any city that had any proximity to Canadian border, they would come down in droves. They they have tremendous support. I think they've re-established that now last year with their playoff run. Um, I talked to some people about, you know, the fact not only are they drawing great crowds, but they have people uh, – that have attached themselves to this team once again after a little bit of a drought, and uh, you know it's it, it's good to see for this for this city and for this province and for this country that they have such a good thing going up here.
2: Yeah, they uh, they fill the place up and they, they do get some energy in this building. And Paul, the way they swing the bat, I feel like every time they hit a ball in the air, the crowd thinks it's going out now. They've been uh, they've been trained to expect the ball to find the seats.
3: Well, they are they are t- the team that th- does count on a lot on the uh, on the home run offensively. They do have some guys that can get on base and run and those type of things, which are important. But you look at the, the, the potency of the, of their lineup and, uh, you know, you get to that part. It starts with Bautista right at the top and you go right on down through Donaldson and, and, and Encarnacion and Tulowitzki and uh, they, they just keep on coming. They, uh, they're they a tough line to pitch to and, uh, you know, we're hoping that Gibby goes out there today and, and like we've talked about, Really, throughout the year, we hope he has has an aggressive mindset and trusts his stuff, and and we can find a way to back him up.
1: With that being said, we might as well talk a little bit about today's starter, uh, Kyle Gibson. Uh, You know, here's a kid that I hope he really paid attention to what Irvin did yesterday because Irvin was able to move some feet early in the game. He was able to pitch inside effectively both for strikes and not for strikes. He missed the plate when he wanted to miss the plate, but I think that set... Up the ball away for him in such a good way, early in the game especially. Uh, the Jays certainly did not let it completely affect him late in the game, but Kyle's got to be one of those guys that gets ahead, because eh? when he's nibbling off the corners and, and behind in counts, it doesn't really work well for him.
3: No, I agree with that. You know, we kind of look for that trend early in the game just to see how he's doing in, in terms of pounding the zone. Um, I, I do think that watching Irvin should be, <clears throat> should be helpful for him. You know, he, uh, he worked at the corners, like you say, Jack, and when he missed, he pushed him off the plate a little bit. And when he got behind and he had dangerous hitters and there wasn't a lot of trouble out there on the base pass, he wasn't afraid to go ahead and try to get them to try to expand. And if he walked him, he'd get the next guy. So, you know, it's not like you're not going to walk anybody when you're facing a lineup mm-hmm. like this. Sometimes it makes uh, an intelligent decision to go ahead and try to get a clean count with the next hitter.
2: As for your uh, opposing starting pitcher today, R.A. Dickey is a very unique and different look than what you've seen the last couple of days.
3: Well, you know, knuckleball guys are few and far between. Um, They pose a problem, you know, unlike some other guys, either velocity or good off-speed stuff. It's just one of those things where when a knuckleball pitcher's having a good day, it's going to be tough. It's an unpredictable pitch. I'm sure it's tough for a pitching coach and a manager to know when a knuckleball guy's done because he might throw, you know... A half a dozen that miss by a lot, and then he come back and he'll throw some that people have no chance to hit. So, it's one of those things where you know you try to have an approach that you you recognize it a long time. Uh, you try to go out and get it. It usually isn't very successful. And uh, you know short swings, line drives, some of those things that you hope uh, are part of your offense uh, today. As as we try to find a way to to attack uh, uh, Dickey today.
1: Paul, uh, with that in mind, uh, two things I'm noticing right now. We're up here in the radio booth, and we we notice that they're going to probably keep the roof closed today. The lights are on, which indicates that they are not going to open the roof. Uh, And that probably has a lot to do with the guy on the mound, Ari Dickey, likes the roof closed here. As a former hitter, you faced a few knuckleball guys. Did you have a different approach with those guys? And there's a lot of conversation about certain hitters don't want to face a knuckleballer. or they feel like it messes up their swing. Uh, you, you buy into that?
3: It really shouldn't mess up your swing, Jack. It's, uh, you know, you do have power hitters and you do have contact hitters. But, uh, you know, for me it was a matter of uh, not even trying to look at the fences. I, I just tried to find a way to let that ball travel as far as I could so I could have an idea if it was going to knuckle into the zone or out of the zone and uh, try not to expand because it's tough enough to hit it when it's a strike. And, um, you know, when you do that, um, at least you have a chance to put the ball in play. And, and with this fast turf, you can maybe have a chance to get some balls to the infield like we saw yesterday off of Stroman. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you're going to have to go out there and find a way. You know, I kind of looked at how we did against Wright earlier this year from Boston to get an idea of some of the guys whose swings are maybe a little bit more conducive to having a chance today. but. You know, if he's on, it's tough. And as far as the roof being closed, I did hear there was a chance of rain this afternoon, so I'm not sure if it's all Dickey related. But you know, the old uh, Metrodome people always say that you know domes are good for knuckleballs. I can't really give you the physics to that, but but that's one of the theories.
2: Yeah, we got some weather forecasting. We got some physics. This is a full (laughs) full show here today. We'll take our last break when we come back. Want to talk a little bit about Brian Dozier right here on your home for Twins baseball. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. The Paul Malditor Show is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, where legends are born and memories are made. And uh, we got about a couple minutes left here from Toronto. And, Paul, I want to go back to the, I thought, a great tone setter to start yesterday's ball game And the day of the slugging leadoff hitter, an old-school run created by Brian Dozier. The single, the stolen base to tag, score on a wild pitch. That had to bring a smile to your face.
3: Yeah, that, w- that was a little bit more traditional way for Brian to uh, help us get on the board early. We all know he, you know, likes to go up there and be aggressive and, and maybe even hit one over the fence to get the game started. But he had a long at-bat, and, uh, you know, he found a way to beat the shift and put the ball in play. And, uh, you know, I, I, I went ahead and gave him an opportunity to steal a base, and he didn't waste any time. Uh, Joe hit the ball deep enough for him to, to get over, and then we got the wild pitch. So, you know, he's had a, a remarkable uh few months here after a slow start you know his numbers are going to end up being probably the best of his career combination of uh just you know increased power um he scored a lot of runs he's driven in a lot of runs he's played solid defense and uh it's really been fun to watch him turn his year around so he's he's a big part of what we're trying to do and certainly a big part of our future
1: paul uh post game yesterday uh I I was kind of happy to see you sticking up for the young kid in right field. He had a tough tough play to make. He was aggressive out there, tried to make the play, and ended up costing a ball game because the ball got by him at the very end there. But, uh, you know, talk about the the mentality of what it's like for a young guy in a situation like that and, and what you expect him to do from this point on.
3: Well, again, it's, it's, it does change from person to person. You know, I talked to Max last week. He had a chance to maybe make some plays with two outs to get get us off the field. Uh, he played them a little bit conservatively, and and I talked to him about you know it's it's situations like that where you think of head ahead uh, about when when is it going to be right to try to dive or make a play or when when do you play it on a hop and try to minimize the, the hitter possibly getting an extra base hit, and uh, you know. Uh, Right after we say that, you know, a handful of games later he gets a chance to make a play, and and it was one of those things where, you know, he obviously came up uh, a fair amount short, but but he made a try, and so, you know, I I don't have any problem with that, you know, I I don't think people realize that that play is on natural grass, it's probably not going to bounce the way it did, he's going to keep it in front. But uh, you know, I'd rather have to back a guy down in that situation than someone who's afraid to try to make the play. You're not going to make a play if you don't try, and we and we have to learn from those type of things. So, uh, turned out to be a, a huge play and how the game turned, but you know that's how you get better. You got you gotta can't be afraid to try things.
2: All right, great stuff, Paul. We got to run. Good luck today getting off the right. side. This has been the Paul Molitor Show on your home for Twins baseball. You have been
3: listening
2: to the Paul Molitor Show. Sponsored by Killer Root
0: Beer. Made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made.
1: This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.